To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and witness and a witness of Christ's sufferings who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. So Peter identifies himself in verse 1 as an elder, a leader. And more specifically, he includes himself, or he speaks of himself as a fellow leader with the leaders of the local church he's writing to. So there's this recognition amongst the church as it is growing and being established in different places that there was a set of leaders that would be instrumental or affecting a number of these churches and going in these ways. But this word leader or elder as it is used here to mean spiritual leader, that is used synonymously in the Bible with overseer or bishop, it is used with the word presbyter, shepherd, and pastor, teacher. And if you look at the gifts of the Lord, the, the gifts that he gives in Ephesians 4, we read about this, uh, this role, this office of the pastor, teacher, given as a gift to the church. And so we've seen these terms used in many different references in many different verses. You'll find them in, in, uh, in the very same term or even a variation of these terms. And quite notably, in 1 Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 through 7 and Titus chapter 1 verses 6 through 9, Paul lays out the qualifications for elders or leaders. And 1 Timothy chapter 3 1 to 7 says this, the saying is trustworthy if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive, for if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil." And in Titus chapter 1 verses 6 to 9, there's a very similar list. And then right at the end of that passage there in verse 9, it says this. He, the elder or leader, must hold firm to the trustworthy word, the word of God, trustworthy word of God as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. So, these are some of the things that we know from the scriptures. Now, in addition to these qualifications, these characteristics of a leader, in 1 Peter chapter 5, what we just read, Peter is charging the leaders of the churches in Asia Minor, and therefore, by extension, the leaders of the whole body of Christ. He's charging them to a certain standard, to behave in a manner worthy of their calling. 
And the primary charge to leaders is to be shepherds of God's flock by watching over them. In Acts chapter 20, verses 28 through 31, Luke records how Paul met with the church elders in Ephesus and he said to them, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. There's a watchfulness that is given here as the shepherd of the flock that that becomes a primary responsibility. Right? That is the primary charge that Peter is making. Now it, it goes without saying that the charge to church leaders to be a good shepherd is you know, is implied. It doesn't say be a good shepherd. It says be a shepherd, but it is implied that you would be a good shepherd, not a, not a hireling, as the Bible describes it, not one who doesn't care for the sheep, but is just doing a job, but rather someone who would be intimately involved and would be caring for the sheep because as a shepherd of the flock, you are an under-shepherd following the example of Jesus Christ, the chief shepherd. This is one of the only places, or this is the only place, that that phrase is used of Jesus. In all the other places, it just refers to him as shepherd, or the good shepherd, and so on. But here it says, the chief shepherd, meaning anyone who serves in the church, is always under, and is under the authority of that chief shepherd, Jesus Christ. Jesus is that very definition of a good shepherd. He demonstrates that he's a good shepherd because he sets the example by loving his sheep unconditionally, sacrificing himself for his sheep, seeking and finding the lost sheep, caring for the sheep, and protecting the sheep by watching over them. But here in First Peter chapter 5 and in those second and third verses here, Paul lays out three secondary charges to the shepherds of God's flock and he says be shepherds of God's flock not because you must but because you're willing as God wants you to be that implies that there is a voluntary commitment you don't just find the person and say you you be the leader right and that person says I have no interest in being leader but because you're forcing me I'm going to become the leader no there has to be a voluntary commitment. There has to be the, the moving of the Holy Spirit. There has to be a response to the call of God that you say, I'm going to step into this. This is not something that I will take lightly. This is something that is very, very serious, very important, very, very weighty in that sense. And there has to be an obedient response to the Lord Jesus. So that when the Lord says, do this, you're saying, yes, Lord, I will, no matter how difficult and no matter how how you know, challenging it may be, and then because it is your call and because I'm responding to you in obedience, I will be able to persevere in this by your strength, not my own skills, not my own strength, not my own abilities. The second thing he says is, be shepherds of God's flock or be good shepherds of God's flock, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. You know, Paul makes this charge or tells uh, Timothy in 1st Timothy chapter 6 verses 5 through 7 he says there are a whole bunch of church leaders or others 
who think, who see godliness as a means of financial gain. And he says, that's not the intent at all. If you are in some way serving and there is some financial benefit of some kind that is coming to you, fine, that's all right. But it, godliness or a means of serving in the church is not to be seen as a means of financial gain. If that becomes your focus, you've missed the call and this idea of why the Lord is calling you to be a shepherd of God's flock. And then thirdly, be a shepherd of God's flock, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. That means that the leader has to be a person of humility. That means there has to be grace. That means there has to be a setting of an example. And by the way, that is tough. That is tough to be able to do those things and to, you know, it's a demand that is placed on that person who steps into leadership of any kind. Now, let me say this. It is important as members of a church, as members of the body of Christ, to provide feedback to leaders, to be able to tell them, hey, this was good, this was not so good, this one I don't think is in line with the scriptures. What you said this other day, it, didn't, it wasn't clear or it seems to contradict what the Bible says in here. And it's important to give feedback. You can also give feedback on, you know, you weren't standing straight and, you know, I don't think your hair was in place. But, you know, or, I mean, you can do all that. You can provide whatever feedback you want. You can do all of that. But I want to encourage you that as you go through these scriptures, you would take to heart that the most important thing you can do for a leader in the church is to pray for them according to this word. Pray that the leaders will watch over the flock with that kind of devotion, with that kind of care, with that kind of grace and compassion, with that kind of commitment and perseverance Sheep don't always do what you want them to do, by the way. So, you know, you have to pray for the leaders and say, Lord, let me pray for this person according to this word. That this leader would have all of these desired qualifications and live out all of these desired behaviors. So you want to hold leaders accountable to what the word of God says, not what you think. I think our pastor should do this. I think our church leaders should do this. No. What does the word say that the leaders should do? What is it that they are to give themselves to? What is it that they are to obey? Now, as I say all these things, you're listening to me and thinking, well, he's preaching to himself. I hope he applies what he's saying. Right? That's what you're thinking. Well, I know this is a good message for him. I could have skipped today. But... But I trust, I trust that as you're listening, you've realized that the call to be good under shepherds to the chief shepherd, to go into all the world and make disciples, is a call to every believer. This is not just for the select few. This is not just for somebody who has the title of a leader. This is for every believer. And the Bible makes it very clear that every one of us in some way or the other at some season of our life and you know, actually for almost all of our lives in that regard as we come to the Lord, all of us serve as leaders. All of us have to do this. So these things that I'm reading to you, these verses that I'm emphasizing, these points that I'm stating, this is not just for somebody else. This is for each and every one of us to be believers 
who are ministers of the gospel of reconciliation, who are priests serving in the temple of the Lord, who are the royalty of God exercising his authority in the kingdom of God. We're all called to be leaders. We're all called to these standards. We're all called to set an example. So before you start to say, well, those people, make sure you're saying us people and that you're including yourself to say, am I living up to these leadership standards, to these calls of God? You see, the qualifications for leadership that are referenced here, they should sound awfully familiar to the fruit of the Spirit, right? The idea that in, in what we read in Galatians chapter 5, that we are to be people who bear the fruit of love, of joy, of peace, of patience, of kindness, of goodness, of faithfulness, of gentleness and self-control. Those are all the very things that is mentioned here about the characteristics or qualifications of a leader. So this idea that we have to have conviction, that there should be character, not just gifts and grace and charisma and all of the rest of it, but there should be character that helps you to stand where the gifts and other callings of God bring you to, and that there should be Christ-likeness in our behaviors and in our lives on a daily basis. This is not just for leaders, or this is not just for a few. This is for everybody in the body of Christ to live like this. Leadership is not about title or power or privilege. J. Oswald Chambers, in his book, Spiritual Leadership, he says, leadership is influence. Leadership is able to influence change, regardless of whether you have a title. Regardless of whether somebody recognizes you in that position. Leadership is helping people to love God, love others, and make disciples themselves. That's what leadership is about. And so in the church, that's what we want to be. We want to be people who will influence others. Because as Matthew chapter 5 verses 13 through 16 says, we are the salt and the light of God. We are the ones who, like salt, are supposed to bring the flavor to the world. We are the ones who, like light or as light of God, are supposed to bring illumination to the world so that they would say, oh, their eyes would be open. They would see. They would taste and know that the Lord is good. We are the ones who are supposed to do that, the influence that is there. And leadership is about serving. Jesus spoke that very clearly to his disciples. He said, let the, the ones who want to be the greatest among you, then that's what, what do you need to do? You need to serve. You need to be the one who will be the least. You, will, you should be the most humble. You should be the one who is washing the feet. You should be the one who is serving. When you do that, the Lord will lift you up and do all the things that are necessary. But leadership is about serving willingly, not because you must, but because you want to. And you're doing that in such a way that we will have that effect of influence. Now, I said, you're going to lead at some point, whether you, you know, it's in a, in a season of life or in a particular role or so on, but really all through your life. And think about this. You have an opportunity to lead in some way, to exhibit these characteristics, to live out these things in your own families, in the church, and in the world around you, regardless of your position, regardless of your official position. 
right? You have an opportunity to do that. And you know this in your own homes, that particularly for parents, you're leading your children and you're influencing change and you're bringing them to the knowledge of God and you're doing that on a consistent basis so that you have to apply these principles. You have to live according to these things. In the church, like I said, this is not a responsibility of just the few. It's not the people who have a title, but it's all of us collectively being engaged in this way to say, how can we see the church being built up? Again, the church is not about the building. It's about the people. And so how can we do that? Well, I have to be able to influence change in my brother or my sister, and my brother and my sister has to be able to influence change in me. I have to stand together with them and lift up the name of Jesus and we have to figure out how we can hold each other accountable to live according to this word. Not according to my own thinking, but according to the word. That's the responsibility we have. So this call to leadership, so, so like I said, if a few minutes ago you were thinking, well, glad he's talking to himself. Now you know, I was not talking just to myself. And I was not talking just to somebody who's got a title, but I'm talking to all of us, that we would take this to heart, that we would say, this is what we need to do, which means we have to respond and apply the word of God that we have heard by following the chief shepherd. You see, verse 4 reminds us that we don't serve the Lord on earth for the sake of worldly riches, financial gain, or fame, or glory. But no, it says we await the chief shepherd who at his appearing will crown us with glory. That's what we sang. One day we'll exchange all of these things that are associated with the cross, the, all of that that it symbolizes. We will exchange that for a crown. And the promise of the chief shepherd, the promise of the one who is with us now and who will be with us for eternity, the promise of the chief shepherd is, when I come, I will have with me, I will present to you the crown of glory. Now you know that's not just for a select few. That's not just for somebody who has a title. That's not just for somebody who stands up in the front. That is for Every believer. And so every believer is called to be this shepherd of the Lord. Every believer has to have a concern for the flock. Every believer must live in this way to say, Lord God, let me live as a life. Let my life be an example. Let everybody around me, Lord, see that I'm led by the Holy Spirit. That is the glory of the Lord that is being, rele that is being revealed. As we in the church in particular, as we look to do this. You see, the church grows, the church can grow only when we have these foundational things in place, right? If, if not, when the nets are thrown out and the fish are caught, the nets will break. But when the nets are mended strong, we know what to do with it. We have sufficient people. We have these foundational principles in place. The Lord adds to the church, not we. we. The Lord adds to the church because the Lord builds his church. Our responsibility 
is to be ready. It's to say, do I apply these principles? Do I stand on the word of God according to what he has said? Do I stand with my brothers and my sisters? Do I welcome this work of the Lord in my midst, in our midst, so that the church as it is built up is healthy, is strong, is able to endure? See, Peter's charge to the believers, and when he speaks specifically to the leaders, but really to all the believers, he is speaking about the fact that the Lord is building the church. And he says in that first verse, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who also will share in the glory to be revealed. You've seen one, you will see the other. That's what he says. But in the in-between, this is how we are to live. This is what we have to go after. This is what we have to establish. New Life Fellowship Church, every church, every body of Christ, local body of Christ all over the world, if every one of us are living in this way and every believer in every one of those churches is a leader and we are looking to see the work of God done through us by the chief shepherd in us his under shepherds, oh, we would have nothing but healthy sheep. We will have nothing but healthy churches. That's what we got to pray for. That's what we got to look for. So when you hold your leaders accountable, when you hold each other accountable, when you hold yourself accountable, ask the Lord that he would do this work in our midst. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that, Lord, you are a good God and that, Lord, you have given us your word to let us know exactly how we must live. I thank you, Lord, that the challenge and the call to all of us, and especially to those who have any kind of leadership role, is to reflect your example, is to demonstrate, is to, Lord, follow in terms of what you have done. And so, Lord, we thank you and we praise you and we worship you. We glorify your name. Lord, right now, we pray that we as a church will commit to live in this way that we will be good shepherds, every one of us. Lord, maybe we're just shepherding our children right now. Maybe we're shepherding more people. Maybe, Lord, we have to be shepherded. Whatever it may be, whatever stage, whatever work you're doing in each one of us, let each one of us, Lord, take to heart and willingly accept this challenge to be good shepherds of God's flock. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.